good morning everybody. Uh, a little late start online, but that's fine. Uh, we're here um, in sunny California. We actually might get some rain and some snow in the local mountains this week. Uh, that I'm trying to give you a, a weather forecast, but anyway, that's always news for us. We like, we love that, so people don't, but we do. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, welcome this morning. Uh, happy Thanksgiving in advance. Uh, 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 this is Thanksgiving week. Uh, just a couple of announcements. We have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock here on A Better Way to Pray. We are taking a little recess for our Saturday night one in Pasadena. We will resume in the second Saturday of January. That's all on our website. We do have our Bible classes going full strong. We have about 15 students now, and that's growing each week uh, on that. And so uh, free Bible classes if you need help, need direction. Co our contact information is on our website. Our website is... LighthouseDiscipleship.org. Uh, everything. There's, there's so much on there. Bible classes are just one thing we have on that website. There's all kinds of teachings, blogs, articles uh, from not just me, but from other speakers uh, and whatnot. So there's all kinds of resources on there. That's the purpose of the website to be resourceful for you. So anyway, uh, let me go ahead and jump into the message this morning. We are talking about in Christ realities about who we are in Christ. I believe this is uh, lesson four of our series. We've been talking the last three weeks about, about the value of identity, and I want to start uh, kind of a phase two of this message, uh, which I'm going to be talking about the process of identity. There's a process of, of knowing our, for us to, to know who we are in Christ. That process will be more spelled out, as I'll get into it a little bit more next week, but uh, it's basically, we'll talk about it a lot this morning as well. It's about renewing our minds. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I, be, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be reprogrammed who we are in Christ. We learned that through the teaching uh, from Andrew Womack and also from Lawson Purdue, which is one of our Bible classes, is a spirit, soul, and body. We're, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in our body. And uh, 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 our mind, will, and emotions represents our soul. And our minds need to be renewed to who we are in Christ. We're born again. If we receive Jesus Christ, if we believe on Jesus Christ, we are born again. But we need to, we need to reprogram, we need to renovate, because uh, that's what the word renewing means. It means to renovate. We need to renovate our mind, renew our mind to who we are in Christ. And it's not just a one-time thing. We will spend the rest of our lifetime renewing our mind on a daily basis. And there's reasons for that. We, go, we, we, we function in this world, we function in life, and there's all kinds of information coming at us all the time. From the world, from society, from ourselves, even family and friends, and different kinds of speakers and teachers and whatnot. And we need to, to constantly be renewed who we are. Uh, and, and, and who we are in Christ. We need that reminder. And, uh, and so uh, we will, there, there's an initial point where we start that process, but we need, it will be, a, it's called discipleship. It's called renewing our mind. It, it's called walking with God. It's called walking in the Spirit. It's called having a relationship with God. And so uh, in, in that process, there's a process of identity. There's a process of renewing our minds. So with that in mind, uh, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and we'll pick it up in verse 20. Just going to reposition here on the screen. 
That's again, that's, that's Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 20. And I'm in the New King James this morning. And Paul writes this, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have, been heard, you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, or as the New King James says, conversation of the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitfulness, deceitful lusts, and be renewed, there's that word renewed, in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lot in this passage of scripture that Paul's talking about, but I want to back up to verse 20 and, and kind of dissect this a little bit. Paul says, you have not so learned Christ. This phrase, so learned in the Greek, is actually one word. And it, it, it means to be permeated. It means to be saturated. There is a truth that Paul is exhorting us to be totally permeated, totally established, saturated, to so learn. And this truth that we have heard, and that we are to so learn, is not only taught by him, Jesus, but it, the truth is in Jesus. We're talking about who we are in Christ. We're talking about our identity in Christ. Christ. And there's there's something, there's a truth that, that is in Jesus that we need to so learn. What is this truth that we need to so learn? Well, if you notice in most of your translations, verse 21 ends with the colon. So he's going to expound on what he just said. That's whenever I see a colon, I, I, the writer is going to, this truth that is in Jesus, he's going to explain in the next three verses what that truth is that we are to so learn. Are you following me so far? Okay? This truth is that we put off, and I'm going to paraphrase this just for simplicity, that we put off the old man, and we put on the new man. In the simplest form, there's more to it than that, I get that, but this truth that, that, we, are to, that we are to so learn, to be so saturated, and that we put off the old man, and we put on the new man. And where do, we, where do we make that transformation in the spirit of our mind? We're born again when we receive Jesus Christ. We are a new creation. We're going to get into some verses talking about that. But there is a transformation that begins to take place, and there's something that we need to put off. And actually, the, the word there, put off, in the Greek, when you say that, means to cut off. It's the same connotation as with circumcision. You're cutting off the old man. You're... You stop acting like the old man, and you stop, as the King James says in the conversation, you stop talking like the old man. Why? Because that's not who you are anymore. Uh, we'll get into this later, but Romans chapter 1, says, verse 11 says, We are to reckon ourselves dead to sin, dead to the old man, the old sin nature, and we are alive. We need to reckon ourselves alive in Christ Jesus. We are, alive, we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We're not alive to God outside of Christ Jesus. We're alive to God in Christ Jesus. And we're not dead to the old man outside of Christ Jesus. No, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. We were 
crucified with Christ, we were buried with Christ in baptism, and we've been raised together with Him in newness of life. Everything in this Christian life is about who we are in Christ. Without Christ, there is no salvation. Without Christ, there is no uh, regeneration, which we'll get into. Without Christ, there is no putting out the old man and putting on the new man. That makes sense? It's all in Christ. But we need to start, stop identifying ourselves with the old man who is dead, who is crucified, who is buried, and we need to put on the new man. That makes sense? Okay? And where do we make this transformation? It's true in our spirits already, according to, according to God, but we need, we need to make that transformation in the, in the spirit of our mind, in our mind, in our attitude, in the way we think, in, in our thinker. We need to stop identifying ourselves. Not in a, you know, this whole changing how we identify ourselves doesn't just need to happen on Sunday morning. Or whenever we're having a, a Bible teaching or class or devotions or whatever, however that might look like for you throughout the week even. Everything we do, from our jobs to driving on the freeway <laughs> to everything we do, relating to people, how we function life, we need to do it from a new perspective. A new identity of who we are in Christ. Amen? Jesus functioned with who he was in the Father. We are the Father. That makes sense? And we'll be talking about that a little bit later as we talk about regeneration a little bit. But let me, let me focus on verse 24. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is who we are in Christ. True right, and actually if you study this out, righteousness and holiness in this verse are not verbs. We don't do holiness. We don't do righteousness to become holy and righteous. We are righteous and holy in Christ Jesus. There is a verb form for these, and we are to live holy as he is holy, and we are to live righteously. We are to live godly. And his grace will teach us to live that way. But we awake to righteousness and sin not. We don't sin not to become righteous. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 15 34. Excuse me. That making sense? Okay? We are created in Christ. We don't, we don't become righteous and holy to be in Christ. No, that doesn't work. We are created in God. In Christ Jesus. That makes sense? We are born of God. We're born of His nature. Every seed bears fruit according to its kind. Genesis 1.11 And we are, we are born of God. We are created in Christ. In true righteousness and holiness. But we, even though that's true in the spiritual realm when we are born again, we need to make that transformation in our mind. We need to start identifying that. We need to understand the value of that identity, as we've been talking about, and we will continue to build on that. But we also need to, there's a process of changing the way we think. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to change a new habit. It's hard to change a new way of thinking sometimes. And there's a process of that. And even when we mean well and whatnot, we're determined to, to think differently we are in this world, and there are things that happen, and it just, it just takes a moment to get our eyes on, on just normal life. Doing our, 
our, our regular routine, our job, and the issues of life. And it, very, it, it doesn't take long for us to get our focus back on natural things and off of who we are in Christ. And we need a reminder. And, and so, um, that, isn't that making sense? So let me just make, make some points here, which I've already kind of alluded on, but I, want, I just want to drill these in. We received a new identity. We became a new creation when we became born again. That's when it started. And the reality of it, because we're talking about in Christ realities, who we are in Christ is more real than this natural, tangible flesh. Who you think you are in the natural, your personality who you are in Christ is more real than that. That makes sense? Because it's in Christ's realities. We became a new creation. We became had a new identity when we, we became born again. The moment we believed on Jesus. We realize this new identity through the renewing of our mind as we get into the Word of God. Only the Word of God will show us who we are in the Spirit. Who we are in Christ. And we all will only know, realize who we are in Christ as we have a relationship with Jesus, the living word, and have a relationship with God through the written word. That makes sense? And we will rest. We will be satisfied. We will be established. We will be confident in our new identity as we walk with Christ. It's a process. It's called walking with God. It's called walking with Jesus. It's talk. It's it's all. It's called discipleship. It's talk about walking in the Spirit. It's talk about it's talk about abiding in Him and abiding in His Word. Apart from Him, we can't do nothing. And it's a lifestyle. See, when when something when a plant a vine is abiding in the branches, it's not just it doesn't just do it on Sunday. You know, the, the, the grapes and the fruit on the vine that say, you know what, this is the day that we're supposed to abide. No, it's constant. It's a lifestyle. It's every day. The moment it doesn't abide, guess what? It starts to die. You can't be fruitful. You can't even live outside of who you are in Christ. We must abide in Him, abide in His Word. And it's not just uh, cramming scriptures down in our thinker. That's not how we renew our mind. We don't renew our mind by cramming scriptures. We, we renew our mind by knowing who we are in Christ. We need to feed our mind. We need to digest. We need to have a diet of a relationship with God. that making sense? That needs to be our diet. In our world today, we all talk all kinds of diets. We need in different things. You don't want to know my diet, because I have a seafood diet. I see it, I eat it. <laughs> I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I don't eat it. There needs to be moderation, and I can, I can use some help in that direction. <laughs> sometimes. But I, I'm just, I, I, if I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I don't eat it. It's as simple, as complicated as that. Anyway, we'll get off that track. You know, because a lot of you won't agree with me. Uh, so, but that's okay. I'm happy the way it is. You know? But what I want to talk about in, in, in this week and the next few weeks is what happened when we were born again? What happened when we became saved? What happened when we believed on Jesus and Christ? I'm going to list eight things this morning. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. 
but just uh, it's, it's a point of reference where we can get some good diet into our system. When we became born again, we became a new creation. Let's start there. Let's go to Second Corinthians five. The Word of God, especially in the New Testament, is rich in teaching us who we are in Christ. Like I said before, there's over 300 scriptures describing who we are in Christ. The Bible is rich. The only way you cannot know who you are in Christ is if you're just not paying attention. You know, but we need, we, we, and that's not a put down, I'm not trying to get on people. But we just need to pay attention. We need to have a diet. We, you know, I, I, I can teach. Andrew can teach. Andrew Lawson can teach. But I can't, I can't totally motivate you to learn. I need to learn. Sometimes I have a hard time motivating myself. Let <laughs> alone anyone else. I'm, we can, yes, we can demotivate people and have an attitude and, and be rude and mean and different things. And we can, we can turn people off. But we, we are, in a sense, the salt of the earth. We are, in a sense, the light of the world. And we are, in a sense, helping to open that flower so people can, can be pollinated and to receive who they are in Christ. But, I, I, you know, uh, I can't teach someone who's not hungry. Can, can you feed someone who's not hungry? You know, if they don't open their mouth, you can't put anything in there. You know? And so, you know, we, we have... Uh, we, anyway, I'm going to get off that track, but, you know... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. It says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge this. This word judge means that we conclude. We come to this conclusion. We, the love of Christ compels us to come to this conclusion. That if one died for all, then all die. If Jesus died for everyone and everyone includes you, then all died. That means we died. If we're going to put off the old man, what, if we're going to put on the new man, what happened to the old man? The old man died. Okay? The old man died where? In Christ. And he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, the reason he's saying this is because of what he just said. Therefore, from now on, from henceforth, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You know, uh, in their day, Paul's day, uh, especially just before his ministry started, Jesus did walk in the earth. He was in the flesh. He was the Son of Man. Now he's in, he, 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 he's, he's ascended and he, he's he's. He's on the right hand of God. But we don't know uh, Christ after the flesh. We know him as, as the firstborn of many brethren. He's the firstborn. Uh, you know, this takes a while for us to sink in, but we, I don't know myself after the flesh. We don't know one another after the flesh. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's a proneness there. We are born again. It, the, the church is not just about me and my salvation. We are born again. There's a whole message in that. I'm not going to spend time on that right now. But I just want to... We don't know anyone at the flesh. Why? Because we all die. Don't get dizzy. I'm using the talk a little bit. But we all die. So if we all died in the flesh, we don't know anyone at the flesh. We put off the old man. We cut off the old man. We crucify the old man. We bury the old man. Okay? Therefore, 
If anyone is where? In Christ. That's what we're talking about. He is a new creation. One that never existed before. It's a whole new creation. Just like in the garden when God began to create creation. The first time he created a zebra. The first time he created a monkey. The first time he created an apple tree. The first time he created a human. Adam. Anyone in Christ. He is a brand new creation. Old things have past tense passed away. Behold. See with the mind. That's what the word behold means. See with the mind. All things have be, not, not will be, not could be, not should be. All things have become new. And, and, that, and so there, and then verse 18 says, now. And when's now? Now's now. Now's not yesterday. Now's not tomorrow. Tomorrow we can read it and we can read now. <laughs> but now. You know, we don't have emphasize that so much. Growing up, and I'm not blaming anyone, but growing up, I was always looking for heaven. I was always waiting to die, and once I was born again, go to heaven, because there wouldn't be any more problems. And I, was always, I always thought that I could receive my inheritance and all the blessings of God when I get to heaven. And I, but the eternal life is having a relationship with God. And I can experience the benefits of salvation now. Now I understand that we're going to we're going to receive the, the fullness of it when we get to heaven, because there won't be any more sin, there won't be any more corruption in this world. There is corruption in this world now, but despite that, we can experience the fullness of God, the fullness of our, our salvation, and understand we have to renew our minds while we're in this world. You know, and different things, but and we, we are we are in this world. We're not of this world. So Jesus said, "In this world, you will have tribulations." So there, there is that aspect of it. But now, because Christ has died for all, and Christ has risen from the dead, and we are in Christ, a new creation. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to come back to some of this. Okay. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Don't get confused by all my markings here. That was actually from another teaching. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed us a word of reconciliation. Now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. I'm going to just go back and we're going to come back to some of this. Okay. As though God were pleading through us as we were... We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, let me just make picture of this. In verses 18 and 19, God says he's reconciled us to himself. And he also says that he's reconciled the world to himself. But then in verse 20, he tells us to be reconciled to God. And I, I've taught this many times. If God says he's reconciled us to himself, but then he tells us to reconcile himself to God, which one is it? Is God reconciling or are we reconciling? It's both. If you ever reconcile your bank account, the fact that your, your bank account, your financial institution, whether it be a credit card or a bank account, sends you a bank statement, the fact that they sent you a statement, they've already reconciled their accounts. That's actually part of the process of reconciling, is that they reconcile their accounts and they're sending you a statement regarding that particular 
that specific account in their ledger. They have a ledger with all their client customers and they've reconciled all the accounts. Now they're sending you a statement of your particular account in their ledger. One of many. They've already reconciled their books, that's why they're sending you a statement. Now it's up to you to reconcile your own books to make sure that your account matches theirs. If you say, if you, if according to their account, they tell you you have $5,000, but in your ledger you only have $100, Houston, we have a problem. You know? Uh, you will have $4,900 that you, that you have that you're not even using because you, you haven't reconciled that you haven't. Now, the, it could be vice versa. The bank says you have $100, but according to your ledger, you have $5,000. Houston, we have a problem. After you spend $100, when you go swipe, the, swipe that card or put the chip in and at, the, at, at Walmart or wherever you're eating now or whatever you're doing, and you spend more than $100, it's going to decline it. And there's going to be a problem. Why? Because you didn't reconcile your account. God has already reconciled the world to himself. He's not imputing. He's not charging the sin to your account because he's already charged it to Jesus' account. Jesus already paid the bill. Jesus already paid the mortgage. Jesus already paid the debt. But if you don't reconcile in your own mind who you are in Christ, you are going to keep trying to make yourself righteous when Jesus has already made you righteous in him. That makes sense? You're going to try to get healing when Jesus says, in him, by your stri his stripes, you are, you were healed. And you're going to be trying to get the blessing when Jesus says, all the promises of God are yes in him, amen in him, for the glory of God, by us. You're going to try to, to merit, to earn, to deserve, to appropriate the promises of God when God says they're already yours in him. They're already yes. He's already, you're trying to get God to say yes to your prayer when he's already said yes. He's already said amen to it. But if you don't know who you are, if you haven't reconciled, then you are going to be frustrated and you're going to be confused. And you're going to frustrate the grace of God in your life in those areas. And in this context, my favorite verse says, For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, to be our sin offering, that we might become. This word become, in the Greek, it comes from the word gene, and it means to be born of. That we might be born of the righteousness of God in Him. We are righteous in Christ. There's a lot here, I read this because it's going to spill over to some of my other points that we're going to make, be making. But we're talking about what happened when we became born again. The first point I'm trying to make is that we became a brand new creation. A creation brand new. It's, it's just like God created in creation. We would became a new creation as one that never existed before. Brand new. God had, you know, God hasn't created anything new since the beginning, since the garden. Except for us who are in Christ. We are a brand new creation. We are a brand new species. That makes sense? That, that's powerful when you think about it. That means there's no corruption in it. There's nothing defiled in it. Okay? 
The second thing I want to focus on is that not only did we become a new creation in Christ Jesus, it goes along with this, but we became a brand new person. The old man died. When did it die? Paul said this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You don't have to turn to it unless you want to. But Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live now by the faith of God. I live by the faith of him who died for me. Actually, I chopped that verse up a little bit. But I hate just, uh, uh, we, it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ. We, came a, we became a brand new person. The old man is dead. We have reckoned ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The third area I want to focus on is that not only did we become a new creation, not only did we become a new person, but we received a brand new nature. It goes along with the other two, but we received a brand new nature. The nature of God himself has taken up residence on the inside of us. We became a whole... You know, we, 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 we speak on these things, we read these things, we teach on these, we hear these things, but we have the full nature of God on the inside of us. That's huge. We're trying to find God, and God's on the inside of us. That's why Andrew says we bow our heads when we pray, so we can find God. Because <laughs> he's right on the inside of us. We, we're looking for God out there when he's right on the inside of us. You know, it's just that God, God has taken up residence on the inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the body of Christ. He had to make your temple, your body clean by the blood of Jesus so he could dwell there. But God's not out there in the cosmos. God is in you. And he has given you, if you have God, you have his nature. Turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Just making a footnote here. Romans 8, verse 9. Paul says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is resident and alive on the inside of you. You are born of the Spirit. You are born of God. You are not born again in the flesh. You are born in the Spirit. That also means all the fruit of the Spirit is alive on the inside of you. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. I have a lot of scripture today. If we get as far as I think we're going to get. There's a lot here, but I'm going to start verse 2. We'll keep referring back to this passage of scripture as well. Peter writes, grace and peace be multiplied to you where? In the knowledge of God. I mean, we already have grace and peace in Christ, but he says grace and peace will be multiplied to you. Where? In the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God, and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has, it's not, it's past tense. He's already given it to you in Christ. As, as his divine power has given to us all things that to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We're going to spend more time with this. We'll go into verse 4 a little bit later. But when we, we can, through our knowledge of him, through our experience with him, through our relationship with him, 
You can't have a relationship with someone without knowing them. <laughs> through your relationship with them, through your knowledge of him, uh, with Jesus, you, he has already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Anything you need for life. Health, wealth, provision, wisdom. I've just mentioned a few. <coughs> Everything you and not just life, but also godliness. To keep yourself pure and holy and, and, and your mind uh, free from all this other garbage that could be out of this world. And I'm not just talking about, we know some ungodly things are lustful things and, and, and derogatory things, but gossip, negative thinking. You ever, any of you get on your own case? Beat yourselves over the head, roll things over in your mind, and think just negative about yourself? That's ungodly. That's not right. You know, uh, we think ungodly, most of us, naturally. I'm not just talking about, and some, some worse than others, I understand that. But if, if it's not a faith of sin, if it's not positive, if, if it's not on God, it's not right. And we need to see ourselves in that God has already given us everything that we need for life and godliness. If you don't think right, you're not going to do right. And, and we'll get to that a little bit later, more, more next week. But we need to change the way we think so we can change what we're going to do. And it starts with knowing who we are. And we are in Christ. The old man is dead. The old man that struggled with sin, that struggled with different things, is dead. We are born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. There's no corruption in it. There's no guile. There's no reproach. There's no iniquity in the new man that we put on. It's created God in true righteousness and true holiness. But we need to know it. We're going to spend more time on this next week. But we need to know who we are. My people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. We need to know who we are. And just because we know it today... We need to be reminded of it tomorrow. We need to know it and know it and know it. And, and the moment that we say we know that already and we get tired of knowing it, we don't know it yet. Because if that's our attitude, I already know that. And you don't know it. Because if you really knew it, that would not be your attitude. This stuff does not get old. This stuff is fresh. It's new. It's vibrant. It has glory and virtue in it. There's virtue in this knowledge. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get tiresome. It's fresh. It's vibrant. It's extraordinary. Philemon. I love this. Philemon chapter, there's only one chapter, so if your Philemon has more than one chapter, you might need to get a new Philemon. Uh, Philemon, verse 6, I'm going to toggle real quick here, just to King James. I just like how it reads a little better. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual. How many of you want your faith, your walk with God, to be effective? Everyone gets frustrated when it's not working. But the communication of that faith, and actually this word communication, if you study it out, is a word called idea. The partnership, we're partnering with God. And that's a whole other thought, we'll get into that. That's another teaching. 
because and the communication that I think may come effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is not going to be, but is in you where in Christ Jesus. It's already in you in Christ Jesus. It's not in you outside of Christ Jesus. It's in you in Christ Jesus. And it's not just acknowledging some good things. Every good thing. Every good thing. You need wisdom? It's already in you in Christ Jesus. You need provision? God has already given you power to get wealth. It's already in you in Christ Jesus. You need healing? It's already in you in Christ Jesus. You need uh, you need temperance, self-control on something? It's already in you in Christ Jesus. You need patience, endurance, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, all the fruit of the Spirit. It's already in you in Christ Jesus. And no matter how well you communicate it, no matter how well you say it, we have authority in Christ Jesus. But we need to acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. I hear people talking all the time, we have authority, but I never hear, sometimes in some of those conversations, I don't hear anything about Christ. They're focused on their authority. It's not your authority outside of Christ Jesus. Yes, we're in Christ Jesus, so we can own it in that regard, but we can never take Christ Jesus out of the equation. Otherwise, we get a fat zero with the rim knocked off. Am I making sense? I'm not being a little facetious here, but it just... Uh, but we need to acknowledge every good thing in Christ Jesus. It reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes, it says in verse 7. I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. You know, I don't want to be cocky as a Christian. But I want to be confident in who I am in Christ. There's a difference. David wasn't cocky when Goliath came on the scene. He was confident. He was portrayed as cocky from his brother Eliab. But he wasn't. He, he, was, he was actually the most humble person on that scene. Because humility is trusting God, not yourself. When we trust ourselves, it can come across as cocky, yes. But it can also come across as insecure. The nation of Israel, the armies of Israel, King Saul, were, were, were defeated by fear because they're focused on them. They can't defeat this Goliath. They were already defeated in their mind without the battle. They were having a verbal fight. Uh, Goliath was taunting them. Do you ever have things taunt you? Your finances? Your sickness? The enemy? Your own attitude towards yourself? other people we need to be humble and say Lord I know who I am in you I know my covenant relationship with you I know you are my God you are my provider you are my healer you are my sufficiency I have every good thing I need in you I, I'm, I'm not focused on me because me is dead but I am alive in you it's no longer I who live but it's Christ in me and I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength Nothing is impossible for my God. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how dead it is. I don't care how evil it is. I don't care what it is. But you have God at your disposal. You have the kingdom of God. You have the keys of the kingdom. And you have ability to bind and to loose. But you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. 
You don't have those keys because you were good. You have those keys because you are in Christ and He alone is good. And because you are in Christ, you are good. You are holy. You are sanctified. You are righteous. So live like it. Let's, we're not going to talk to our God about our problem, our mountain. We're telling our mountain about our God. We're not talking to our... We're not letting our finances talk to me. I'm talking to my finances. I'm not talking to my health talk to me. I'm talking to my health. Jesus... When Jesus came to the fig tree, we just studied this in our Bible study the other night, but Jesus answered the fig tree. The fig tree answered by no, with no fruit. That's not how God created the, the, the function. That the creator was right there standing talking to the fig tree. It, it, it was violating what it was com already commanded to do at creation to produce figs at fig time. And it was fig time... And there was no fruit. So Jesus answered the victory. And we need to answer our finances. We need to answer our health. We need to answer different things in our life. And not out of cockiness, but knowing who we are in Christ. So it becomes effective. That makes sense? It won't work. It won't be effective if we don't acknowledge. Acknowledging every good thing is a turnkey. We have cars out there. But they won't work without a key. I've tried it. It doesn't work. I know there's some, some, some cars you can just push the button, but you got to have the key in your pocket or, or somewhere nearby. But I've tried starting a car without the key. It doesn't, don't, it doesn't do much. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there talking to me. I'm not working. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> you know? And so anyway, I'll get off that <coughs> The fourth thing I want to focus on is that not only do we have a, and this will be a little different than what we focus on already, we have a new ministry. Not only are we a new creation, not only do we have our new person, not only do we have his nature, but we have a new ministry. Go with me real quick to, I'm not going to finish this, so we'll carry this over next week, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I just don't want to rush to this. There's so much richness in this part of the series that I don't want to rush to this. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 7 to 9, but I just really want to pick up a couple of different things. Paul speaking, he says, But the ministration of death was written and engraved in stones, he's talking about the law, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, but the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness. And actually I want to talk a little bit going back to the New King James. Sorry about that. So, so real quickly here, I just want to re-emphasize. Paul is comparing two different kinds of ministries. Or two different kinds of ministrations. But I, there's a couple different definitions or connotations for ministry, but uh, at its simplest form, ministry is can be defined as being a servant. But also, too, uh, administration can also be, for example, the way I like to describe this, we have right now the Trump administration. 
Before that, we had the Obama administration. We've had the Bush administration, the Reagan administration. Every president, every every gov uh, government has an administration. And their job at its core is to serve the people, not themselves. I'm not, I'm not going to go on the politically track right now, but I just want to mention that at its core, they're supposed to serve the people. But, anyway... Paul is comparing two kinds of ministries. I have them highlighted here, so these highlights you can pay attention to. In verse 7, he calls it the, the ministry of death, and he also calls it the ministry of condemnation, which is the law. But he, the other type of ministry that he talks about is the ministry of the Spirit, which is the ministry of righteousness. There's two kinds of ministries. Paul says the, 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 the old ministry, condemnation of death of law, had glory. But in context, he says... The ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of righteousness, exceeds much more in glory. He's going to go on to say that we are transformed from glory to glory. From the glory of the old covenant to the glory of the new. From the glory of the condemnation of death to the glory of the ministry of the Spirit and righteousness. Fast forward real quick to me, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we just were a few minutes ago. Chapter 5, verse 18. And Paul calls it, in the same book, just two chapters later, he calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? Um, and so, again, don't get confused by all my highlights. So we have the ministry, we have, in Christ, we have the ministry of the Spirit, we have the ministry of righteousness, and we have the ministry of reconciliation. Not only with God, but we also have the ministry of reconciliation with one another. That's, a, that's another teaching. I'm not going to go into all that right now. Um, but I think just uh, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the ministry of righteousness. Which is, all that combined is a ministry of His Spirit. See, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not including their sins to us. I've already talked about that. God's not condemning us. God's not killing us because of us. The penalty of you know, do you know what the penalty of sin is? Death. Jesus not only took our sin, but he took our penalty. He took our judgment. That's why he was crucified. The law says that sin has to be punished. The, the law says that the sin has to be condemned. And the only way that you can satisfy sin is death. That's what the law says. That's why it's called the ministry of condemnation and death. But Jesus became our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. God Jesus became our sin so we can, going back to where we just were, so we can experience the ministry of righteousness. The ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of reconciliation. Does that make sense? That's a huge teaching. I teach on that a little more in depth when we get into our teaching on being established in righteousness. I spend a little more time on that. But that's in its simplest form. Another area where I want to talk about when we became a new creation in Christ is that we received a new message. Not only do we have a new nature, not only do we have a new person, a new creation, not only do we have a new ministry, but we have a new message. And this is involved in a lot of different things, but we have, we have the message of righteousness. We have the message of grace. We have the message of peace. We have the message of hope. We have the message of healing. We have the message of forgiveness. We have the message of reconciliation. And the list goes on. But we have a new message. Uh, I, I could go through a lot of different verses, but I just want to piggyback on one here. Luke chapter 2. 
this is this goes into the Christmas story. But this is where the shepherds and the angels came to the shepherds and began to announce our Messiah, Emmanuel. And this is what they began to proclaim in, in a song. As the sky is filled with angels, it is glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. God is not angry at you. Andrew teaches us in more in an expanded form when he in his book or his teaching called the, the War is Over. The war between God and man is over because Jesus came and brought peace and goodwill to man through Jesus, our Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And we have a new message. That we have a new covenant. God's not mad at you. God's not condemning you. God's not even in a bad mood. God loves you. The war is over. God doesn't see you sending you because he took all that sin on Jesus and he crucified it and he buried it and he rose from the dead. As Paul talks about in Romans 4.25, he was raised for our justification. He was raised for our righteousness. God sees you in Christ. And if you are in Christ, God sees you righteous. That's not only God's message, but that is our message to the world. God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him will not perish, but have everlasting God. God did not send his world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is our message. Jesus, Paul says, I preach Christ, Christ crucified. He's going to preach the gospel that we are reconciled to God. We are righteous with God. That is our message. God has restored you to right relationship with God. Jesus took your sin. Jesus took your judgment. You are accepted in the beloved because of Jesus. I have a lot more things there, but I just already said a lot as I'm looking at my notes. The next thing I want to focus on is that we have a new position. And go to me, I got a couple verses for this, but uh, go to me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, I'm thinking a big thought here, and he was raised. God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. We have a new position. Where is that position? We are sitting together with Christ on, in heavenly places. That's awesome. Our daddy is king. And we're sitting with him on his throne in heavenly places. Spiritually speaking. We're, we're not doing that in natural because Paul says we don't know no man after the flesh. We are in Christ. And we are sitting. Whether you see that or not. It's not something you see through the natural eyes. But it is something you see through the eyes of faith. We are sitting with our Savior, our Redeemer, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I... Uh, uh, I'm growing up, I went to a church called Word of Life Church, and uh, a pastor's wife, Janice, wrote a song called Into the Throne Room, and I don't know if I can, I probably can't recite all the words, but it's just an awesome song about Into the Throne Room, and we sing that once in a while in our worship services and whatnot, 
And ever since that song, I think, you know, I've known that song. A lot of times when I pray, a lot of times when I feel myself coming to the presence of God, that's where, that's my picture. Everyone has their own image sometimes what that looks like. But for me, it, it, it looks like I'm just coming to the throne room. Not to be judged, but to, my God is king. And just like uh, in, in, in royal times, uh, you would come to the throne room and you hope that the king would point a scepter at you so you could speak. If you didn't, then that, that could be, it would be in violation. It, 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 it could be a capital offense. And so, and there, there, there's a verse in there, I think it's in Hebrews, that his scepter towards us is righteousness. We are in right, right, right standing with God. But I see myself coming to this throne room. And just, he says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. And I just see myself coming to the, because our throne room is where the king has authority. Whatever he says is, is done. If we don't do what the king says, it, it's a capital offense. And, but our king, he's the king of righteousness, he's the king of peace, Hebrews 7, chapter 7, verse 2. He's our king, he's our, he's our prince of peace, and he's our king of glory. And so, I just, that's just the way I picture it, but, but even with, with beyond that, and when I, I'm just not coming to throne as a servant, as part of the, the, the kingdom. I'm, he said, God said he'd given me the keys of the kingdom. You know, when, when Joseph was promoted to be the prime minister, lack of a better term, uh, of Egypt, he had full reign over the, the Egypt underneath Pharaoh. Pharaoh was still Pharaoh. He didn't, he wasn't Pharaoh. But he, he had, he was second command. And uh, Pharaoh basically gave him, gave him the keys of the kingdom, lack, lack of a better term, to govern the kingdom as he saw fit, because he trusted him. He wasn't going to betray him, whatnot, whatnot, but he had the power. Well, we're sitting together with him in heavenly places. That's just huge. Don't, don't just glance over some of these scriptures. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. We talk about having authority. We have authority not because we're good. We're authority because we're in Christ Jesus and we're sitting together with him in heavenly places. I remember back in, when I was growing up, we, my grandparents had a farm in Arkansas. Grandfather passed away before I was five, so uh, that's how young I was. So just in my toddler ages. But I remember us, they lived on the dirt road, right by the creek. And I remember, a lot of times we just crossed the road to go fishing and whatnot. And they had a farm out there. Every once in a while we'd take, we'd take the dirt road up a little bit, probably didn't go a mile, I don't even know how far we went. But every once in a while, Grandpa would take the, the truck, the, the, the old pickup truck. Every once in a while we would just get to sit on Grandpa's lap. I think my dad might even go once, I don't know. But we just get, and we just get the man the steering wheel. We're not going more than five miles per hour. We're just barely moving. But as a as a child, we think we're we're driving this thing. <laughs> you know, we're just sitting on, on Grandpa's lap as we're going down this dirt road. We're not on the highway. We're not on the main road. There's no traffic. I mean, all we're going to see is uh, maybe wildlife once in a while. You know, a rabbit here and there, um, whatnot. Yeah, anyway, but you know, we're sitting on that, and whoever's on that, whoever's in the driver's seat has power to steer and control that vehicle. We can't reach the pedals, and at that age, I didn't even know what a pedal was, you know. Uh, yeah, so I, but I knew what a steering wheel was, you know. You can see that thing, steer that thing, you know, and I always liked the horn part, you know, because that, that's a noisemaker, you know, and so that, that, that was that was forbidden real quick, but uh, anyway, it just uh, but uh, uh anyway. 
but we're sitting together on our papa's lap. We're born of God. We're born again, and He's our daddy. We're going to talk about regeneration. We're not going to get there today, but uh, just uh, we, uh, uh, you know, we're sitting with Him on our father's lap. Because just imagine. I mean, there's just so much with that. Let's go to another scripture real quick. Second Corinthians five twenty. We already read this a little earlier. But now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As so though God would plead it through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. There's, I've already talked about reconciling to God, but I'm not going to go there right now. But we are ambassadors. You know, ambassador of, the na- of any nation represents that nation wherever they are ambassadors. And I, you know, but we are ambassadors of we have a new message. We have a new position. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God. We were enemies of the cross. But now we're ambassadors of the kingdom of all kingdoms. That, I don't know about you, but that, 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 that inspires me. It, uh, go me another one. Ephesians 1, verse 20. You know, if you have any of these positions as an ambassador, uh, uh, sitting with him in, in the throne room, you have power. You have authority. You don't get those positions lightly in any country, in any nation. Those are not just handed out. They're not handed out like candy. They're, 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 they're. With great power comes great responsibility. Ephesians uh, 1.20 says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. But we're sitting with him in heavenly places. We have a power over all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named in Christ Jesus. Because we're sitting with him in Christ Jesus. Uh, in case uh, I get a little ahead of myself, but with this in mind, actually, yeah, we're, okay, let's stay here. And he put all things underneath his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the Church, that's us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He says he put all things underneath his feet. For he's the head, and we're the feet, we're the body. You know, we don't have a head with feet underneath, walking around. So when he says he put all things underneath his feet, we are the feet. We are the body. He's put all things underneath us. He's the head, so it's underneath him too. You know, he, he, not, he don't have a head doing everything. We would just be a big bowling ball doing everything. You know, it's not like that. He's the head, but he, the head can't do anything without the body. And the body can't do anything without the head. You separate the two, you decapitate it, you just kill the body. And you kill the head, in a sense. But we are the body of Christ. And he has put all things underneath our feet. We have authority. But it's because of Christ. If you read the whole prayer, if you read the whole chapter, it's because we have who we are. Paul is praying. He wants us, our, 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 the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, that we know the hope of his calling. We know who we are. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of us because of who we are in Christ. 
Uh, we're here, Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, and you, and you he made alive who are dead in your trespasses and sins. Skip down to verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's just so rich. And a lot of these verses are in the aorist tense, meaning that it indicates something that God has already accomplished. It's not something He's going to accomplish. It's not just we're waiting for heaven someday. No, we are already in Christ Jesus. We are already made alive. We are already in heavenly places. He's already put all things underneath our feet in Christ Jesus. It's already happened. We have a new position. And with that position, we have a message. We have an identity. We, can, we don't just have that authority so we have stripes on our shoulder or a badge or whatever and so we can look good. We don't just have that authority so we can bless our lives and bless our families. Yes, all that's true. But we have that authority. We have that blessing so that we can bless all the families of the earth. If you're just thinking about how you can, you're fine, your family is fine, that can be a very selfish attitude. If it's just about you, you, you us four no more. There is a point, and you can't appropriate this for your family. You can't appropriate this for yourself, but it's not just for you. It's for you to get it so you can be, you have a message, you have a position, you are an ambassador. An ambassador doesn't represent himself alone. Ambassador represents the nation, represents the country, represents the president, and represents the head. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are have administration of reconciliation, of, of righteousness, of His Spirit. We have this authority, so we can use it. There are a few more scriptures, and I'm probably going to be closing out with this. Are we on time? Let's see how we do. Acts 4.30. And it says... This is when the early church was going through some persecution. I got to pick it up, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This was the early church. This was the birth of the church. He's given us, he's given us power. He's given the church authority. We are the church. The church is not the building. The church is not a 501c3. The church is the people. We are the church without walls. We are the church with, without borders, in a sense. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we have given this position, this authority, and this message to do, among other things, signs and wonders. And to heal the sick. And to do power. And to have boldness to speak His word. We have a new position. And with that position... We have a position of influence and of power. Their boldness and their, what they were doing was rocking the world. It rocked the Jewish community. It rocked the Roman Empire. It rocked all these. They were turning the world upside down. These were unlearned men as far as uh, education is concerned. They didn't have degrees and, and they weren't Pharisees of Pharisees. They weren't supposed to be leaders from a worldly perspective. But they had the Spirit of God. They had the power of God. They knew who they were in Christ. And they had boldness. And if they can do it, we can do it. We look at our day as wicked. Their day was wicked. You ever studied the Roman Empire? 
And the things that they did in those coliseums under Caesar and other things, it was horrid. It was debauchery on, on steroids. It was, it was just, it was wicked. <clears throat> and so, uh, and our, our country, our society is going in that direction in many ways. But it, it, work, it won't work in this generation. It won't work in any generation. Because he's the key, he's the ancient of days. He's the, he's the, the rock of all ages. And so uh, it works for him. And it worked for them, it will work for us. Go to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at something of Jesus. But if it will work for Jesus, it will work for us. Because what? We are in Christ. Christ who did all these miracles and things is in us. And we are in Him. We don't do any of these signs and wonders in and of ourselves. We do them because we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ, we can do them. Jesus didn't go say, go pray for the sick. He told them to go heal the sick. We have authority. But in the Luke 4, uh, where am I at? 524. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go to your home. In other words, there's a lot here. Jesus has forgiven sins. We don't forgive sins, but we can lead people to Christ and we can receive the forgiveness of their sins. And some those who have been born again don't know they're forgiven. They can be know who they are in Christ and they're not wallowing in something that Christ has already paid for. But we but because they are forgiven, because they are, are healed, they can rise up, pick up their bed and walk. They can be healed. The same power, the same Jesus that can forgive your sin can heal your mortal body. Or whatever else is out of place and out of alignment. We have authority. We have a position. And if Jesus can do it, Jesus who is in us, and we who are in Jesus can do the same things. It's the same Jesus. Mark 16, verse 20. I'm obviously not going to all the scriptures. We would be here all day, all night, all week, all month. But Mark 16, 20. And they, the church went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Since we are resurrected, seated with Christ in heavenly places, what is true of Jesus is also true of us. It is also in our born-again spirits. We can and we should be doing the same works that Jesus did. That the apostles did. Amen. Paul talks about we not only preach some word, but a demonstration and in power. There's a lot I can elaborate on because I can get on this whole bandwagon of everything I'm just teaching right now. But I'm trying to focus on who we're in Christ. We have a new position. We have authority. We have a message. Because we have the nature of God. We have Jesus. The God has taken up residence on the inside of us. I'm going to wrap up there because the next area I'm going to talk about is we have received righteousness. And that's a big subject for me. I'm not going to, it's going to be a short version of what I want to talk about later in a new series I'm going to be doing a little later in January. And we'll be talking about re being regenerated. And that's another big subject as well. And then we'll go into some new territory uh, that I want to get to that I have planned for next week. But we'll see how we do. They all kind of run together. Anyway, I'm just talking out loud. Maybe I'm the only one hearing that, but uh, it's just that uh, we're going to pick this up next week here. Um, and so, 
I thought I might have a little too much material for the day. I just don't want to rush through this because there's so much richness in this. Uh, um, does it make sense? Okay. Hopefully we got something out of this this morning. But we need to know who we are in Christ. We're never going to function who we are in Christ if we don't know who we are. We're never going to do any of this stuff if we don't know who we are. We have to know who we are first. We have to have our identity. Um, and, and there's a process to that. There's a process of renewing our mind. We need to reprogram. You know, something we get a new computer or get a new new something, new device. You ever get a new phone and now you gotta reprogram it? You know, all your all your phones, contacts and emails and that get all get all the notifications right. Some people want to be notified, some people have different ringtones, different things. You get a new phone, get a new computer, you gotta get a little dialed in first before you, you can function. Uh, maybe you get a new office, new car, a new house. You gotta get it set up. You gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta reprogram some things, and so we need to program our mind who we are, and we it can't just be something that we study on Sundays or whatever. This has to be our way of life. It will never work. It will never become a lifestyle. It will never become second nature. It will never become something we live if we don't first of all know who we are and we don't begin to walk and talk and act like we are who we are. It's just, if it all, all becomes is a Christian cliche and jargon, if it doesn't become our identity, it will never work. And we will always be frustrating why it doesn't work. Because the communication of our faith becomes affection, factual, as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. We might be acknowledging God's done it. We might be acknowledging God's provided for us. But we're not acknowledging every good thing that's in us. In Christ Jesus, there's a world difference there. And so, when we worship you, we magnify you. My heart is not just to teach us. My heart is that we get this, including myself. That this doesn't just become a message. It doesn't just become a theological thing. The scriptures, but it becomes our life. It becomes everything. Lord, it becomes the way we think. We're transformed by the renewing of our Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go. If you can, we'll see you tonight at 6. If not, we'll see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey and good stuff, the healthy stuff, if you like it. And, uh, <laughs> and eat a lot of pie, you know, whatever. Anyway, have a good time. Bless your families. God bless you.